Welcome to another episode of Don't Shit on the Bus. This week we have a really cool guest. Jeff Maker, that party maker. Yeah, Jeff Maker is an LD, which stands for lighting director or lighting designer, but Jeff specifically is a lighting director. But on the smaller tours, you're pretty much both those things anyway. Yeah, it's like the person that designs it also directs it a lot of times. And when you get bigger, you really need someone that kind of does both because then they're so busy designing that they don't have time to direct and vice versa. Jeff's badass and he does all of it and he's just amazing because that's what Jeff does. Jeff is most known for his work with All Time Low. That's where I met him. That's where most people know him from. He's been with them for about 10 years and he's made some crazy ass light shows for them. And because he comes from All Time Low, he has the same values as them. You know, he really talked to us a lot about being family on tour and waking up with your techs. I could never wake up with my tech because they wake up up way too early. But I mean, I totally get it. It's like if you're on a team working together, you're in it, you know, like you're out there on the road doing all these hard jobs. You want everyone to feel like they're doing this stuff together because it's hard and it gets a lot sometimes. And just to have that little extra uh, vibe of camaraderie, it really goes a long way, I think. So Jeff, he really encompasses everything that the all-time low camp really is about. You know, he's a great guy. He has a ton of amazing information and he's the top of his fucking game straight up. Everyone wants to be Jeff. That's just how it is like i'm a lot of friends with lighting designers and directors and they are like yo jeff's the fucking man and if you've ever been to see all time low they're really well lit they look great they look cooler than they are to be completely honest with you i mean they're really cool but they even look cooler than that because of jeff so all right so we got four new patrons this week this is my favorite part of the entire podcast these are the people that support us and they went out of their way to give us their money to help make sure what we do is supported yeah you're totally right kirsten Janet, Bailey, Melissa, you guys are the four people that I care about most. Hell yeah. All right. And with that being said, thank you for joining us and enjoy listening to the wonderful Jeff Maker for the next hour. All right. We'll catch you guys next time or later. Enjoy. Goodbye. This is like the most pro podcaster we've had on because Jeff, wait, what's your official role with again with the uh, All Time Low podcast? I do some of the writing, uh, producing for Crash Test Live. Yep. You know more, the guy named Moore. Uh, I'm like more of what? <laughs> no, uh, no. Hold on, his, his name's maybe not Moore. It's something else. He works at the management company. Reed. Yeah, Reed. Sorry. I, I, so, so Reed. <laughs> oh, I know Reed. They both have like one word names, whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, everyone yeah, has yeah. one word name. So Moore worked at Fly South. And then whenever Keith shared an office with Fly South, I always got Reed and Moore confused. And I think since I've known Reed, I've called him Moore and he probably has been too nice to correct me. He's, he is very nice. I le- I literally see him like more than twice a week. He, he like frequents the market that my restaurant's at. Like he goes and gets coffee at uh, this place yeah. called Lineage. And I literally have called him Moore about 700 times and he's never been like dude my name's fucking reed bro he's just this is happy that someone says hi i guess he's like you know what that i'll take dude, it he you know, works this- out of lineage a lot of times he does yeah i remember going to fly south because lineage is underneath it and being there and reed coming up and saying hey but i didn't recognize him because the people that i know that live and exist in florida coffee shops are next to none so i was like who are you and how do you know everything about my professional life and what's going on you're like are you more <laughs> he's so nice though too right he really yeah, is yeah, so he nice. really is yeah yeah he's uh, him and i basically just do the same thing 
you know, I just kind of put run sheets together and yeah, that's basically, and they give me my own segment just for the hell of it. I brought that up. Cause like he was telling me about the crash test live and he was telling me that he's like, he's like, yeah, I've been working on this and really, it's really fun. I was like, I had no idea that you worked on that. That's really cool. What you guys do on that podcast is awesome. I love all of oh, the different thanks. segments with like the improv exercises and all those types of things. I think that's fucking genius. The scripties. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking awesome. I love that. Yeah. That was, um, I forgot when the, the guys were just talking about, cause we just basically, it came from like mystery science theory. 3000 like can we just watch movies and talk about them and then it was like then it kind of like morphed into i remember one of the guys was saying well it's like let's just do script readings and what i've come up with like it was like it's script to be square or like weird names and, and then scripties landed on that i was like that's great and it's just because we don't tell the guys what the script is until so it's like oh we gotta tease it and sometimes i'll do like trivia or news sections that hint towards the movie in some way i don't know i think too much into it because no one really sees that stuff but it's fun for me no it, it honestly it really is great i just wanted to kind of again compliment you guys on it I think you guys do a really good job and I enjoyed that. I will relay the, the compliment. Much appreciated. And Jeff is a movie guru, by the way. Make sure to tell more what I said. So uh, more, I, I got him on. Uh, he's number one. He'll be like, "Oh, Neil, fucking idiot." The other day, I like realized what I was doing, and obviously, I still do it because it's like ingrained in my brain that that's like what his name is. Even when Adam was like, "Who read?" and I'm like, "No, his name's fucking more, dude." Well, it's funny because it all makes sense because as soon as I realized this, as Jeff was like, "You mean read?" I was like, "This is why Reed hit me on Facebook and started talking about a bunch of stuff is because Neil was talking to him, but I didn't connect it. I was like, "I'm waiting for this." More kid to hit me up like I'm, and I'm like what is going on why is this unprovoked conversation going in depth and it all clicked as soon as this just happened I think more manages periphery and so there actually is a person called more I know he's been working with Anne Berlin they just did the stream and everything with, with them I know that yeah he is a real person they used to work in the same office and when I met them I met them at the same time and I just confused their names and then Reed is just too nice to tell me that I'm an asshole so oh, I, I don't think he would take it that way I, yeah, he's just a nice guy it's the artist effect. He just didn't want to tell you because you're an artist and, you know, you don't want to hurt your... Uh... Well, I, I've even introduced him to, like, so many people at the restaurant. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's more. And he's like... <laughs> <laughs> maybe he just thinks that's the nickname because he's like, oh, he's always going back for more. So it's like, maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's more, you know? <laughs> How do you, uh, this is going to be the obvious transition ever. How the hell do you guys know each other? Jeff and Neil, when did you guys first meet? I know only because it's only been one tour. <laughs> <laughs> 2016. That was probably it. Wait, what tour was it? Blink-182 tour? No, House Party. House Party. It was tour. House Party. House Party. And Blink then, yeah. That's two. The 2014? 2006, 7, 8 all sound like last year to me at this point. I was like, oh, 06? Oh, totally. Yeah, oh yeah, just the other year. Yeah, I get it. No. I was just looking at used cars. I'm like, it's already been 10 years since that time. I was like, holy shit. What do you mean 2011 was 10 years ago? I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, bro. No, it's not a 10-year-old car. Car is basically brand new. It doesn't get any easier, I feel like. Everybody I talk to who's older than me, like, as soon as I started understanding time, like, I would say mid-20s, and then, like, once I turned, like, 29, 30, 31, I was just like... I can't grasp life anymore <laughs> with my misunderstanding of time. Like I feel like I'm learning a whole new thing of the world. Like I'm like, oh, this is how everybody else has been living. Just confused. Well, too, it's like when you're touring, there's so much of so similar, you know, like you're doing so much of this, a thing in like a similar looking place with a bunch of the same people that like years of your life are like, oh, holy shit. I am that went by really fast. And it feels like it was just the other day that it was 2003 and we were starting this shit or whatever you know and again not to have an obvious 
transition, but when did you start touring and how did that look for you? When I started touring, it was 2006 and it was with the Dresden Dolls. Oh, nice. Nice. So they gave me my first shot on the road. I started off working at a small club in Boston called Axis, which is part of the footprint where House of Blues Boston is now. Um, but I was the lighting guy there. And you met them there? No, their tour manager. It's a long, it's like a string that connects all the dots. It's like basically their tour manager, she ripped tickets at the Paradise Rock Club where I was a bar back to earn money in college. I wanted to be, you know, still around music when I was, you know, going to school and just earn money, I was doing that. And I just, just tried to meet as many people in the industry as I could just, you know, saying hi and trying to do my job well. And she just happened to be ripping tickets. And long story short, I got trained as an LD at the Paradise and then Axis LD position opened up. So they made me head LD there. And then eventually she was hired as their tour manager and she remembered me from the Paradise and she was like, you're still doing lighting? I'm like, yeah. And she, and she hired myself, basically the entire Axis crew, front of house, monitors and the LD, my Myself, took us took all three of us on tour even though the the sound guys have been there longer than i was they did the tour with nine inch nails and dresden dolls and so i was like you toured with my idols well <laughs> i just all the nine inch nail cds and they brought me on like the tour after i'm like asking all these questions on my first tour it was in europe it was like on a converted greyhound tour bus because it was you know not a big crew it's four or five people and two band members you know so it was it wasn't much for me i was like this is great i'm in europe i'm on a tour bus holy shit finally the uh, one of the sound guys like as eh, that's an all right tour bus i'm like i'm just happy to be on a tour bus man this is awesome and like doing all these festivals rock and ring i'm like blowing my mind man it was great yeah that's kind of how it damn for a first tour that's a fucking that is a kind of an awesome you're like thrown to the wolves like rock and ring is literally one of the biggest festivals in the world and i can only imagine then you know like the pinnacle of like rock music i would say yeah it was overwhelming i didn't know what to even expect you know just getting into it it was just i just knew it was i was going with friends and colleagues that i have known for a while so I was like, it's a good group. It's like a all Boston, you know, based folks. And I don't know, you felt safe. And it was just like, well, you know, I did learn a lot of lessons. Uh, I got, I say I got housebroken pretty quickly uh, with things I, you know, didn't know about touring, but it was nice to have it done by friends. Uh, you know, they were, they were, it was the toughest, most necessary love when it came to starting to be in the business. I feel like something as small as leaving my toiletry bag at the first day off hotel yeah and the sound guy that i was rooming with got it for me hit it for like two days and i was freaking out it was like the first week and it was the first day off ever so it was a lesson i've never forgotten to this day just because it was so necessary to happen but luckily it was a friend who helped teach it to me it wasn't just like some asshole you know but you could do like a like a boot camp for training people to go on tour you like put them on a week-long tour bus in the u.s for no band and then every time they fuck up you just beat it into their heads you're like no don't leave your toilet your bag behind and like make sure it just like really gets in there and then they'll have a perfect touring person i feel like if you did that in europe it's just like advanced by like tenfold just in the same amount of time you can come out much better at touring in less time if you choose the european route <laughs> there's like a different level of like how fast you can learn you know it's like you can take the easy american route or the advanced european route where you will be guaranteed to cry you know it's like it's like dude europe is gnarly and especially back in the day before like cell phones were before wi-fi oh my god yeah i had a compact pc laptop that made more noise than an air conditioning machine you know to keep cool <laughs> you know on my first tour and i was skyping and internet was like we felt like we had a secret power we had to sniff out internet because it wasn't like wi-fi was not it would plug in it was all direct plugins for the most part and wi-fi was like gold sometimes you get those venues where you'd have a really good day because of wi-fi but yeah no cell phones for the most part it does make it so much harder and i feel like nowadays people 
don't even know how tough that really is, you know, kind of trying to just even keep relationships or trying to like, where are we going to meet? Like you look at the phone the wrong way, you get charged twenty seven ninety five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't even think about it, phone. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's gnarly. Like, I think that that too is like kind of a cool way to be thrown into it. It's like, I've never heard someone be like, hey, we're going to hire all three people from the same like venue or coming up in the same thing. And then you get to learn with them. I think that's awesome. And you work together so well, I'm sure. Yeah, it was really nice. Uh, everyone's experience to how they got involved and how they started obviously is different. I, I feel like I was very lucky in that uh, way that I was kind of like an old man getting into a hot bath, you know, just really getting in very comfortably, you know, slowly, but with, you know, some level of security. Is that a saying I didn't know about? Or did you make that up? I think Jerry Seinfeld said it in an episode once. I just, <laughs> I, stole, I stole that from him. An old man getting into a hot, I took a hot bath before this, but I'm not an old man. So I know the vibe. Just like really slow and just taking your time and being a little extra careful. Wearing jorts. Oh, that's just me. <laughs> With that being your entry into touring, how do you think that that changed what would be your career from then on? How do you think that that set you up for that? Literally, that was what set me up to tour and to continue touring. It was, you know, the first, I say the first domino to fall in the right direction that I wanted to go after I started learning lights at the venues at the Paradise Club and Axis. And I did a couple of shows at Avalon, which is a bigger venue next to Axis. But that both venues combined was where House of Blues is now. It just came in and conquered. Yeah, well, they tore the buildings down and put House of Blues there. Sorry, I got sidetracked there what was that what kind of set you up set me up yeah it was it definitely did like i said it was the, the first domino to fall was being able to tour and it was just building a resume with the dresden dolls and them allowing me to come back and i guess learning on the road honestly like i only learned so much i could in the venues i was taught and trained at the paradise by shane he's no longer an ld there but still around in boston and then i just got brought over to the to access and then from there i every time the dresden dolls would leave for tour they'd bring me on and same with our front of house engineer who was also our production manager there, Dave, and we all trained uh, folks to take our place at the venue while we left for tour so that the venues just wouldn't stop because, you know, you're going to lift the whole crew up. You better make sure that they're taken care of, especially when they allow you to come back to your job after your home. Yeah. So that's been a really nice thing. So both things, both experiences, whether working at a venue and then going on, on the road with an artist that is also local, it's just there's a camaraderie where it's like the venues have a good relationship with that local artist and they see that they're hiring local crew. It's almost like we want to invest in that crew and keep them on and just make sure they're taken care of because in the future, you know, the more training they get on the road or more experience is only going to be better for the company or the venue. And I think that's how they looked at it. It's kind of like an unofficial school. You know what I mean? Like really is. It really is. Even building in like the people kind of coming up under you and like working when you leave and kind of throwing them to the, the lines as you say, you know, like here's your practice with me here as your kind of mentor, as your teacher. And then you're like, now you have to do it on your own. Like this is your final assignment, like prove what you've learned, you know, and and we did that kind of in it to some extent, you know, just to make sure that everything would be taken care of, you know, when we were gone. Well, it's kind of crazy, too, because it's like where in the United States are there like three venues that kind of happen in capacity growth like that, you know, so closely. That's kind of amazing, you know, like you kind of start at this level of venue and then you can move up to this one, which happens to be very close, like next door and maybe even owned by the same company or whatever. Which did help because that is what it was. Paradise, Avalon and Access were owned by uh, one company in Boston. Boston, but concerts were run by Live Nation. So Live Nation would rent out those venues, put on their concerts. And then at night they do like their dance nights, you know, like we all experience at the, you know, the O2s and that's Euro. Yeah. That's super Euro. Yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> 
That's basically what. I wish I could have grown up just going to see shows in that environment. That sounds great. Didn't know how lucky I was at the time, but I got to see, I mean, when Paramorsal, you know, when uh, her dad was still the TM coming through Axis, the Jonas Brothers came through Axis, and that's like a 500 capacity room. And it was just like, I'm like, Jonas Brothers. All right, great. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, great. You know, it's a show. Great. Awesome. You know, it was fine. And it was just no production. It was just like, let's test it out. And obviously, you know, the rest is history there. And you just, you see these amazing artists come through and I saw Muse play on that stage. And, and like, like that's one of the best things I've ever seen. I wasn't even working. I was like, it was before they hired me. I was like, can I just go to see this? You know, and they let me go. And it was just, when I saw that room, I was like, I'd, be, I'd love to work here too in the future. And it just kind of worked out that way. But an, an ironic thing when it goes back to training people to take over for when we're on tour, uh, one of the gentlemen I trained, he actually went on to become All Time Lowe's first LD. Oh, wow. And I was touring with the Dresden Dolls for a while. And he was just like, you got to get involved with this band All Time Low. I was like, I can't do it anymore. It's like, they're looking for a new person. And eventually it worked out that way. And it just, about another thing where just the dominoes fall in the right way and you kind of just go with it and it just works out. And I guess I'm doing this. Now. I don't know. Yeah. And it, it just really, I don't really question it. The process has just worked its way, you know, in, in such a way that I'm like, okay, this is, I'm not going to question a thing. We've talked about it before too. It's like the music industry is so small that like keeping that good network, you really just fall into opportunities like that. Almost things that you can't even, like you can't plan for them but you almost can kind of plan you're like i don't know what's coming but like i don't have anything coming up and i know that something is going to come my way you know like especially if you're just kind of putting out there good stuff exactly i was just going to say like just in relation to what you were saying like it's just positive thinking i don't know i mean positive attitudes help that could also just be the reason you get work you know if you have a good attitude and you have a good work ethic you know why not i guess you want to surround yourself with people like like-minded like that absolutely yeah i like the positive vibe too i think it's it's addicting on tour and you can change the whole vibe of a tour and i definitely first experienced that with all-time low crew they were like the first band to take me on a bus tour really like a long bus tour and just the camaraderie and the kindness between crew members and the feeling of family when you're on the road is like irreplaceable and makes the experience so much more enjoyable for everybody involved uh while they're working while they're not working when you get up in the morning like it's just like oh i gotta hang out with my friends again let's go yeah, absolutely. That was the, the first time I ever met you, Adam. I was on the second tour I ever did with them, I believe. The Glamour Kills tour, I think. Yes. One of them. <laughs> the tour you did the DVD on, right? Yep, that was that. Yeah, that tour. Yep. Yeah, that was cool. Was that around like one of the bamboozles? Because I feel like that tour like kind of hit bamboozle or something like that. That was Man Whores and Open Source. I was going to say that before we move forward, I have a confession to make. And there's a reason I named it LD Jeff Maker, not Lighting Designer, Lighting Director, is because even after our conversation, about what exactly you do, I still get confused. And I know what the difference between a lighting director and lighting designer is. But like when you were starting at those smaller venues to when you toured, were you always one or the other or did your job kind of switch? It's one of those things you've always been. Yeah, at the venues, every venue I went into already had the lighting rig basically up, Okay, you know, linked together. So I would just be house lighting director. That was that. I didn't design or get into designing venue lighting rigs until House of Blues, myself and Ryan Baker, who's the main LD at House was Boston. Uh, he did most of it and I was able to come in and help uh, here and there with the new layout they have there. Well, I apologize for not totally getting it right. I just had... That's okay. 
for 10 years that it's a lighting designer in my head, but everybody called it an LD. So I think I was just wrongly calling people that for the majority of my career. And then when we spoke prior to this interview, it was really hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that I'd just been using the wrong term. So lighting director is what Jeff is and what most people are on tour. On tour, I'm a designer. When I'm at in venues, when I'm at a venue, I'm your house lighting guy. I'm the house LD. I'm your house lighting director. But you know, I'll hand the reins over you know, to any touring LD or designer. If it's a designer, they've probably brought in their own rig. They've probably brought in a bunch of stuff that they've designed prior to. Sometimes, you know, it's a little bit, sometimes it's a lot. But if you come in, sometimes lighting director will just be like, here's the house rig. Okay, I'm going to direct all these beams to where I want, even though it's already in a certain way. Sometimes we'll move fixtures around, you know, for LDs, you know, specifically if it's a sold out show, we always want to make sure that they're happy, taken care of. If they have a good day, we have a good day if I'm a house LD. So that's kind of like, I try to take that mentality on the road too. So I'm just like, you know, I try to treat everyone that comes through if I'm a house LD as if I would want to be hopefully treated on the road. So I try to make sure they have the best day. Everything gets set up safe. Yeah. If they have a really good day and they're like, man, that was awesome. That makes me feel good. Cause I love that feeling on the road from like, that was a great show. The artist is happy. The loadout went smooth and safe. The crew is great. You know, it's just all these things would come together. So when I'm at home, I'm just trying to create that same vibe. You really get it. You get that those little things make a world of difference when you're on the road. And yeah, because you don't know what people are going through. Honestly, you know, the road, as you guys know, I have to tell you, but the road throws a lot of things at you. And, you know, having a good attitude really gets you through a lot. Helping others, you know, stay positive can get them through, you know, who knows what. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. Well, I might be more confused than I was when I originally tried to <laughs> say the question, Sorry. but no, just to continue. So then somebody who's a lighting designer on the road would be the person who not only directs, like sometimes it's the same person, correct? Like I'm just thinking to a yep. data remember setup. We just have cowboy and he designs and directs, right? Correct. Yeah. If he's doing the layout, you know, and going over with you guys about like, how do you guys like this? Is this, you know, is this what you're, is this the vision you have for what epic, you know, scenes you want to create? And then he's like, okay, well he designed that and he's also probably he's a programmer on top of it so he's a designer programmer board op doing the whole damn thing yeah he's he's a swiss army knife you know uh when it comes to all the hats he can wear but yeah i think he wears the hat of a lot of those uh titles but also on the bigger tours when he does have extra folks to do something i don't i don't know i would assume that he would have other people doing a couple other things so his day wouldn't be so you know non-stop we've gone through uh putting him through the ringer of like his he he kind of joined our crew when we were he believed in us and he was over qualified for our possibility of paying him i guess but he kind of saw the benefit of like where we were headed and he liked the camp and everything and we were like we are super ambitious we want to have a video wall and he's like i think i can take on a video wall by myself and we're like <laughs> we don't know what that means but that's fucking cool because you know we can't afford it any other way and kind of as we went from there and he just as we got bigger he's like i'm just gonna be the lighting director this time i'll design it we'll go on the road i'll make the calls that's what it's going to be. We're going to have all the bunch of other tech people that are going to come out and help set up all this crazy stuff. And it is crazy. I mean, I guess I didn't know, Adam, I didn't even know that there was a difference. Yo, welcome to me doing my market research for this. <laughs> when I called Jeff, there was like a whole like, like I literally have it laid out, like all the different jobs. It's like, wait, there's all these things like, God, my job is easy. And wow, I knew way less than I thought I did. It's like, I'm a guitar player, you know, it's like, and it does encompass so many things, but it also could be so little. It's like, I play three power chords let's go i'm the same thing as slash <laughs> you know but like not really just because it sounds like it's a lot yes it could be but i don't know how to play a guitar to save my life i don't know i can play the looney tunes theme song on a piano that's it for me like that's amazing to me so i mean don't like say like oh i can just do this or just do that like that's still amazing so 
so I'm like, trust me, it may sound like let's get Jeff on here as like a regular. I like this. This is great. <laughs> like I feel like I love lighting design and I love programming and I feel like I'm great at it or good at it. But it's and it's just my passion. So I just like I just want to keep doing it as I'm doing it. I try to take my time with it. So it's like if there's a passion behind it, you kind of immerse yourself in it. And maybe it's just you know something that sounds a little complicated here and there. But I don't know. I think everyone has their own twist on it and their own talent. And I mean, like with that love, like what were some of the skills that you kind of had? You kind of noticed before you. Even even got into the job that I guess you would kind of need to have to choose this as your career to go further on it. Uh, I mean, whether it's being on the road or in a music venue, I would just go, I'll answer as being on the road. I feel like you'd need to be able to be away from your loved ones. And that goes for everybody. I'm, I'm not just saying that's obviously an LD. Only LDs have to be good at this. Only LD. <laughs> Everyone else can be, you know, missing. You're you know? fine with you. You hate your family. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's the first thing, regardless of the job. I think you got to be okay with a little missing a couple important things here and there to, to pursue if this is your passion in life to do that. But I think just tech savvy and an eye for design, an eye for color combinations, knowing your environments and how to be creative in those spaces and help to, if you love listening to music, like your passions are probably already there, whether it's designing a show or writing music yourself or something, there's a way you know, to get involved in it and in any way. So I feel like as an LD, maybe just color combinations and an eye for design and art, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so when you're on tour as an LD, what are the daily responsibilities that you have to take care of every day of tour? No matter, you know, if you have a show that day, you're going to do these things. We'll go in the venue really quick, uh, check out the situation, see what we can fit, you know, make sure if our specs were, you know, right going in. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you get an old stage plot. Sometimes you get, you know, outdated things and vice versa. So the venue gets the same. So you go in, you talk to the house LD, house production manager, stage manager. Hi, what's going on? Where's your power? Do you have house snakes? I try to get all the questions answered so that we can leave as much as we can on the truck. So we don't, so we can get more in. And like, if a place doesn't have a place to put dead cases, we want to leave as much stuff there so that we have more room to bring in, whether it's more lighting or places to store extra gear. So once we figure that out, we're like, okay, we're going to load, we're going to, you know, open it up, bring everything we need in, start setting up as, as we can. It really depends if you're also traveling with audio. Sometimes you have to stagger your load in. Sometimes you pause the truck to set up the lights or to rig up the lights so you can create room for the audio to get on the stage. Sometimes in the bigger rooms, the stage won't even be there. So you can load in simultaneously. The, the stage will slide into place while the lighting and video is being hung separately. So the stage will be set up in the middle of an arena with monitors, audio equipment, PAs being hung behind that. And then the stage will slide into place so everyone can simultaneously work. But if you can't do that, the venue load in has to be staggered. Yeah, it depends. It really depends on what venue you're going to go into. But after you get everything set up, safe, sound, correctly, uh, quickly, you know, hopefully the, the crew uh, will have their lunch breaks and or their coffee breaks that they need. And uh, hopefully I can get programming as soon as I can. And some venues don't allow you to use haze right away. Like in Boston, you didn't do encounter that. So you don't get your beams that you exactly want. You can't use haze in Boston, like at all? You can. It depends. If you're in an arena or outside or whatever, you can use it right away because they have fire detail there. Uh, if it's House of Blues or below, so you have to have a fire detail come in an hour before doors. Sometimes they can show up a little sooner, but it's relatively the strictest area, even though LA has the strictest fire is it because of the the great white situation correct yeah Man. still yeah i mean i get it like that was kind of gnarly yeah it's just echoed through new england and i think it's just if it happens once we're just not going to be you know we're going to be very very careful and we don't want that to ever ever happen again so i, I get why they're over cautious but sometimes you encounter that so what i was just going to say is that you can also use a visualizer on your laptop so you're like okay well i can't see my beams great so i'm just going to use a visualizer and then when you can get haze you can kind of tweak your beams and your positions to make it look you know as nice 
place as, as you like. And then after that program and uh, get some you know food yourself and hopefully you're done in time for doors. So your morning is basically loading all the gear, figure out what gear I'm bringing in, where I'm putting it, how I'm setting it up based on what venue you're at that day and all the different restrictions or maybe things you can do in that venue, what makes it special and unique, design or program or set up your lights according to it and, you know, test everything, power it up and get ready for, I guess you're getting ready for kind of like sound check. Does it, do you do something different during sound check? Everybody else we've had on here, that was like a big part of their day, but for an LD, what's it like? For sound check, it does help, you know, just because if they're going to move the mic stands, I mean, I try to make it symmetrical, but obviously wherever the artist feels comfortable, if they want to move it two inches to the left or right, that's their prerogative. So if it comes to like a Lico focus or anything that's in front light, if they move it, I just try to tweak it as they're doing their sound check. And I just let them know. What's a Lego focus? Yeah. If I can control from my console, but if I cannot, I have to do my focus because I have to send somebody up in a harness and, a, and so there really can't be any noise going on during that just for obvious safety reasons. <laughs> it's tougher when that is the case, if there's a sound check, but I try to schedule a, a time, you know, where I talk to the artist like, Hey, do you mind checking out your mic positions? Can we focus this up real quick? Whereas if it's a moving light, I just let them do their thing. And if they move it, then I move the light with them. Or if it's a follow spot, then, you know, obviously it's a lot easier. You don't really have to worry as much there. Neil, do you notice all the stuff that the LD's doing? Did you know all these things being the artist or what's it like? Just when they're like shooting a light directly in your cornea. That's the only time I really (laughs) notice, you know, but like, and to be fair, that's like very rare because like, I feel like a lot of times they do kind of do those things before I'm even in there. And like, they'll kind of have like a guitar tech stand in a spot where I would usually stand and they'd be like, focus, whatever's going to happen. Like maybe there's a song I start, whatever they do that before I'm even in there. And then they do kind of run through things and they're like, hey, last night, you said I blinded you when you went to this one place. Should we kind of check that out tonight? Because I think you were going to have a similar problem. And then they would kind of converse and fix whatever issues or if there is any issues, or if we were just like, hey, you're just a badass, continue being badass. You know, I mean, that's kind of like the time to do that. And I think that's important to have that communication. I mean, I think, you know, as an LD, you want to make sure your artist is happy. And that's what you're there to do, you know, along with magnifying their music for their fans. You know, if they can't do that, if you're causing such a distraction, you know, where they can't see what they're doing. So having that open line of communication is definitely key. It's another one of those situations where we talked to a front of house engineer yesterday, and it's one of those things where you're on stage you don't really understand how fucking cool it looks until you see like a video of the show or something you know but like because you're up there and you're like i can actually see what's going on this is pretty cool sweet you know it's purple you're like sweet it's purple whatever (laughs) you know like there's just like instances like that and then you see the thing and you're like holy shit this looks like a fucking super bowl halftime show and i had no idea there was like these sharpies happening and it's just one of those things where like you never really know when you're in the moment you know it's like jeff names his setups they've got cool names don't you am i wrong on that no I, I used to name uh them after constellations usually or big uh, stars or like i did orion i did uh antares a few others uh stuff my head i don't know i just i love celestial stuff so i don't know i just was like well i did three circles i'm like there that's orion great <laughs> perfect you know, I don't know. Because like what you're doing is it's an art form. Like you are an artist, like up there painting with light, like in real time and like kind of putting that much thought into it and like kind of even going deeper and like making these names or doing these different things for it. Like, that's so cool. I feel like that's a thing that a lot of people that go to concerts would never know, you know, like they could just appreciate it and be like, I feel like a lot of times after I leave a concert, the lighting is what I would usually talk about. I'd be like, yo, in that one song, like the lights do the thing and <laughs> <laughs> do the thing. (laughs) thing. (laughs) It was crazy. 
there's purple, it's tears, it's just gnarly, you know? And I mean, to hear that it's like, there's so much thought and so much effort and, and there is like this crazy artistry that kind of goes into designing and also directing and kind of hitting things on time and whatever. It's, it's awesome. I mean, I know this is, has nothing to do with your daily responsibilities, but I'm just in awe of what you guys do and want to give kudos wherever I can. So thank you so much. I, that's awesome of you to say, thank you very much. I, I just love it. When you sit around with a uh, design, especially when the artist is so excited about seeing it or they had a say in it, it makes you even more excited because they're just like oh fuck yeah i can't wait for everyone to see you know this as well and you kind of get attached to it i feel like the lights are like my kids and then at the <laughs> end of the tour i send them off to college and i'm like i'll see you next time all right let's be good you need to go to the doctor because you didn't work anymore so <laughs> i think like even the simple fact i mean we're so far removed from this because it's been our reality for years that hey you know the lighting person does all this but when i went to concerts when i was a kid i had no idea all that stuff was put up there that day or designed intentionally or done specifically during the song like I don't know what I thought but I just I was at a concert it was already overwhelming enough I wasn't about to start dissecting things that I would consider normal at a concert so it's cool to me to like you know bring the focus into the forefront of the people that really do all those things that I mean you notice it but you kind of I don't know some people just don't notice it and it's good to pay your respect so I agree with everything Neil was saying I just want to double up on it you guys work hand in hand you know like your job is either made harder or easier because of a lighting design right you know like that's my layman's understanding of photography hey, adam don't post <laughs> that photo today because um the light didn't go off correctly and i don't want the band to see it is that a thing? that's a thing that's happened to me i'm not naming jeff specifically at all in this situation i'm saying i've had lds being like yo i know you didn't notice this but this part didn't happen today it was just a, a thing that happened don't show the band i'm like all right the I got third you. light in orion's belt was <laughs> not twinkling and we don't need that on the internet adam the star is dying <laughs> What do we call it now? I don't know. It's <laughs> No, I do remember there's this one tour we did with All Time Low in the UK where they had a camera that would play. Like it was the tour where they had, the, I think it was the arena tour and they had a LED screen also for it. And there was a music video that played during one of the songs or something or like a live music video. Was it Four Diamonds or was I it a, so. a, a full screen? No, full screen, full screen. Okay. That was probably the You Me at Six co-headliner or their DVD shoot at Wembley. Wembley. Whatever it was, it was really funny because there was a shot that was like, you know, what's it called right now with the sparks behind you? What are those called? Well, those aren't cold spark. I think those are grenades. Okay. Well, there was like a moment where those went off and like the, the waterfall stuff came down from, you know, the pyro that comes from the ceiling. It was a crazy moment that I always tried to shoot, but the live feed video of it was like a dude like this. And he was in every, like, I tried to get this epic crowd shot, but then there was just this dude on the video screen that was like this every day. And I was like, <laughs> it was so funny. I'd have to go back and, and now that's what I'm going to do after I, after I'm this i'm gonna go i'm gonna go find it now because now i'm curious to see what that was and i hope that didn't come off in some weird way of me complaining i was just thought it was funny no, no <laughs> I, i'm curious as to what it was i mean that was um that that setup was sick. At six co-headliner um that was the first big video tour i was actually able to be a part of too so oh really yeah before that i still trying to get my I wrap my head around a lot of the things when it came to like some of the servers that were used and things i was like well i need to learn this or you'll get left behind. And that's just kind of how... That's how the industry works. Yeah, it's uh, video and lighting are really kind of getting married in a way. So you have to kind of know at least a good amount of it to have a nice marriage with them. It's cool too, how you can kind of like use each of those things to kind of like either substitute or play with each other, you know, like creating like an aura from the video screen and then supplementing other lights to kind of do other, I guess, techniques or whatever. I don't know. Shit's cool as fuck. I, I still <laughs> don't get it. I'm, I literally am... Shit's cool as fuck, end quote. Yeah, I'll like smoke weed and 
watch. I'll like go up there for soundtrack. I'm just like, what? It's just magic. All right, cool. It is crazy to watch. Like, obviously, seeing a show every night is amazing. But when you see, when you can like go to front of house and like stand next to the person who's doing all the lights, it's kind of a fun feeling. It's kind of be like, yeah, this guy's performing too, and I get to stand here and watch him do it. I love seeing you at front of house. I'm like, oh, awesome. All right, Adam, this is gonna be the great show right here. Or like, you would <laughs> you would already know that, but I would just be so excited to see you out there. I'm like, oh man, this, I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see it. You know, because it would just be those moments that you would always be you would be like the guy on the spot i don't know like you would be spider-man you'd be in the rafters you'd be in front of house like two seconds later you're under the drum riser i, I like it was the shots you would get in a night would always blow my mind but seeing it in front of house is just like a friend's coming to visit you're like oh i saw you on stage he's right here now this is awesome you know? <laughs> on our tour he actually was spider-man <laughs> that is really? true yeah like, i shot a t-shirt cannon dressed as spider-man and then jumped in the crowd and on an inflatable boat yeah that's fun none of which made any sense with each other but it happened and it was glorious it was for this moment right now right here that tour actually did with you jeff i had a camera mounted at front of house that would just shoot the whole show from front of house so if you ever need any photos from that tour i've got like 2000 from every show from one spot so well i remember you going up in a crane to rig it to a truss and then i remember you went up to the rafters i don't know if it was the hydro in scotland or if that was it was just a very wide room but you got up to the rafters and you put a camera up there too and there was that was the shot that made the cover of uh tpi magazine and that was the first cover cool. of any of my of my work that and i was just like what well, i mean the shot was amazing uh, and it just happened to get the cover for it too it was just like a double whammy so that tour is just i don't know there's a special memories that come along with that one all-time low in the uk is insane like all-time low everywhere is insane but like in the uk especially like the fans there are just fucking rabid just insane it's amazing to see that it's just i feel like the relationship they have with their fans over there um everywhere i mean first of all but there's something about it when they play rooms in the uk the it, the feeling is is uh definitely special it it feels special every night and I, I have no idea how to describe it but you're just just sitting there in the crowd and we've only gotten to do like a couple festivals with them but i i was just like man this is special it's like just a vibe like the whole thing i'm like it's like are you guys from the uk like <laughs> alex is from the uk <laughs> oh okay all right he kind of gets he's you know dual citizenship i always knew that they did really well there and like anytime we would be about to tour there it'd be like oh all time low is coming back and they're playing this place twice i'm like sick <laughs> they're fucking awesome. i mean i love when i see that on the schedule too it's like they'll do three nights somewhere i'm like it's a walk-off <laughs> like twice <laughs> leave everything we're like we're going to nando's it's great <laughs> <laughs> okay, so soundcheck, you're blinded band members. Then <laughs> after that, there's doors, there's all these things that are happening. But what's happening in your world? What, what do you have to be mindful of, if anything? Well, I'd try to get some dinner if I could. And if there's a time to maybe just take a moment to just relax in my bunk or something, whether it's, you know, read something or take a quick power nap, if depends on what the loading time is. Sometimes it's nice to just take like an hour power nap if you have the time to do so. If you're on a bigger tour and you do have some, you know, festivals, you know, sandwiched in between you know your headlining shows sometimes you take that downtime to start programming the next festival rig you know on your if you have the time and the, and you know if there's no day off or anything you kind of want to get ahead of the game and that's a good time to do it if you have the energy to do it but you're also paid to do the job so you got to find the energy to do it and you just get the job done and uh, only take the time to, you know, but everyone needs a time to reset though. You know, so it's like the whole phrase of, if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. It's like, yeah, we need time to lean, you know, give me a chance to just relax, reset for a second. And, you know, then we'll get back to, you know, what needs to be done. But it's like, I try to take a little time for myself before I get back into you know, show mode. But I also like seeing a lot of the supporting artists, you know, sometimes I don't know what's the new thing. And I, I kind of want to poke my head in, but after a while, if it's a long tour and you're like, I love you guys, but I really, 
really got to take a nap today. You know, <laughs> you just kind of, you kind of do that. It's super important again. And like, we've talked about this a bunch, but any profession within the touring community, like you have to take care of yourself. You have to take those moments to really reset and then come back at 100% because it's like, if you're going and going and going, eventually either your work's going to suffer or something else is going to suffer. And you might as well just like take that time and be like, well, I'm not going to go out and check out whatever site is in this town. I'll just kind of rest up and do whatever, you know? And super important. Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't personally, I didn't realize how important, you know, some of those things were till I got more into it. You know, there'd be a lot of times where, you know, you just go out all the time or you stay up, you know, until 3am just watching movies in the front lounge of the bus or something, you know, nothing like I didn't really rage or anything, but just little things where I'm like, after a while, I'm like, I love the show was great. Love you guys. See you tomorrow. I'm going to go in my bunk and watch a movie and I'm going to fall asleep. And that's, you know, that's basically you take that time usually between doors and when the show starts to kind of do that and catch back up it's like so when you come back in from kind of time that you take to yourself like what responsibilities do you have to kind of get back into show mode back into it i kind of a little like i'll probably have a sugar-free red bull to kind of i haven't had a red bull in like over a year so i'm i'm on a roll here i used to do that to kind of wake myself back up and just kind of talk to everyone see where everyone's at sometimes people are still like doing their own thing some you know techs are tuning or kind of polishing up doing some last minute things or whatever they you know need to do to make sure that they're ready to go but i try to come in at least you know before the direct support is started it's just because i don't want to be in the middle of that one i like to be ready for changeovers or if i gotta go to front of house if the direct support has an ld too and if they're using like a console or something shared i want to make sure they're good too you know regardless you know so you kind of pay attention a little more when there's certain pieces that are in play that may not be there normally it's like as if they break it then it's broken still for you possibly but <laughs> uh, luckily if i can knock on wood that hasn't happened i'll knock on wood again but <laughs> yeah because it does happen it's happened to me you know as a head lining LD2, like a cable will get pinched, you know, in the crowd or, you know, you'll freak out for a second, but having that kind of support that, okay, another LD's here. If I say some like technical jargon to them, they'll be like, got it. I'm going to go on stage. I'll help you. So I kind of want to be there, Johnny on the spot for them because other LD's were that for me when I, you know, may have had an issue. So I tried to, you know, I feel like if they did that for me, I'd really want to pay it forward and just make sure that that kind of continues where we're all there for each other in times of need. Even if we don't have to be there, we're there. Because there's only three people on a tour that even knows what you do let alone <laughs> the words that you're saying and then them know what to do well, after that but also I, I do want to drive this home in a big way too i don't want to make it seem like i do this all alone either there are like lighting techs from i've had so many talented hardworking techs that bust their ass and when they are out on the road with me and i'm lucky enough to have people like them out there it just makes my world so much easier and happier and it's just that's just another support system that you know you're supposed to have anyway when you have other lighting fixtures out on the road with you and you're not trying to do it all alone but lighting techs and they really are the uh, heartbeat to if they didn't do what they did it, it wouldn't be able to get done and something you told me that i really like that we kind of might have glossed over because when we started this day in the life we went into a we started with a long statement and this actually really stuck out to me when we talked prior to this is that you told me you always wake up with the text in the morning like that's a big thing you always make sure to do can you tell us more about that i don't know i try to i want to see how the room is going to be you know because sometimes like i'll use the uk some of those room like brixton academy one of my favorites will you know you know how that's going to be but sometimes you know your specs and your laptop like 
obviously you always know what it looks like, but seeing it in person always, you know, helps when you, especially when it's a new design, like, all right, I know it's going to fit. Let me just see it in person. And I also just want to be in there because in case any techs have any questions for me as an LD, they'll be like, what about this? We have to hang this here. Are you cool with that? How's this depth today? Because I'm like, yeah, that's great. I want to be there to answer those questions. So they're just like, well, we have to do it. And hopefully it's right. I just want to make sure it's right. And if I'm up, I can also get breakfast and, you know, chew their ear off and just talk to them, see how their night was, see how, you know, everything is going up there. You know, I try to stay out of the way too, or try to jump in to help. If we're shorthanded, I love getting my hands dirty. But truth be told, if I have a lot of help, I will also stay out of the way, you know, and let them do their, what they're really, really good at. Man, that's really cool. Kind of giving shout outs to those people. Cause it's like, I feel like too, it's like so many unsung heroes on tour and it's like on so many levels too. It's like, I try to give shout out, you know, I'm like, yeah, my guitar tech, I couldn't do this without him or my, or even like our main crew. It's like, I couldn't give it out, do this without them. But like the touring crew that comes with the fixtures or the touring crew that comes with the audio or the, the people that are like, you know, set carps and all that. It's like, they are the unsung heroes of all of this and they really do make all of it happen. It's like, you only have so much time in a day and they are able to do it every single day. And they're some of the hardest working people out there. They really are. And it's, you know, I try to, I try to surprise them with gifts if I could or something. Cause I, I mean, I can't say thank you enough cause they're busting their butts every day and yeah, they're getting paid for it, but still doesn't mean that they don't need to see appreciation. They, they should hear that. I appreciate them very much. Hell yes. I was going to actually ask for the definition of something because we said it earlier and I didn't have time to catch it, but snakes in reference to loading in. Yes. Like a front of house snake or like audio has it and lighting has it. So it's just basically going from your, uh, your brain on stage, wherever your lighting power is, where all of your data is. So all the lighting fixtures get plugged into a rack on stage and that rack sends all the information on a snake to front of house. So you run the snake from your data all the way to front of house. So you can, so the board can communicate with your fixtures is basically what it is. The audio does the same thing too. So running a snake in the morning, sometimes it could be a pain in the butt, but if a venue has what you need plus redundancy lines in case there's a mess up. I tend to try that. I still bring my snake in because it's literally the veins to the heart. So I have it with me, but if the house lines are clean and they work great, I'll try to go with the house lines. It saves a loadout time, you know, but you know, if I, if I think it's not going to be great and I'm like, we're running our snake today, you know, you kind of, you go into situations, you kind of can read the room. You can see like a really professional room would, you know, have the really updated stuff. And some rooms you're like, well, we're going to trust our stuff today. This snake was put together at the same time as Brixton. So we're not going <laughs> to <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't know. I get that. I mean, too, it's like you try to have as many kind of redundancies. We do that here on the podcast, like where we record it in multiple places or we have multiple things in case, you know, something goes wrong. It's like you're always trying to avoid that. You're trying to be precautious rather than like reactive, you know? And I feel like when you, if you've encountered that and you've lost a recording or you haven't saved your lighting file, if you've done it once, you just don't ever want it to happen again. So you kind of just set up all those redundancies and like, I don't care how many copies I have. We're going to be all right. Yeah. The worst is having to do it over because you can never, no matter how hard you try, do it better than the first take sometimes. It's like, it's like impossible. So you got to get that first natural good one. And especially when you're doing a live show, you don't want to mess it up. Well, especially when you're doing something like art, you know, like it's hard to redo, like you could do something and then like do it kind of close, but like maybe you just miss that special thing, you know, or, and that's what lighting is. It is literally I think it's an art form. I can't imagine having to like program an hour and a half show and be like, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Well, so you can set up your console where it saves it every 10 seconds, 30 seconds, oh, okay. maybe five minutes. Like if you're One really, second. really, yeah, well, that would take up a lot of memory, but it depends how big your show file is. I wouldn't do it every second, maybe every 10 minutes, just, you know, or you just do it on your own and you kind of get used to it. But yeah, that I have like, I don't have any USB sticks. I have like a Delta pouch just full of my USB sticks. You're a light dealer. <laughs> what kind of light you need, bro? Y'all need some USBs? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> hey, man. This all leads up to the show. What do you do during the show? Because we've all seen you there. You're not really hiding. You're in the middle of the venue. Best view of the stage for a reason. What are you doing during the show? It depends what the artist wants. I would say nine times out of 10, I'm running the show live with some cue stacks. If it's video, video is always time-coded, which will play along with the band's click tracks on stage. Um, we could set lighting up that way as well. A lot of the artists I tour with don't necessarily need it to be time-coded, but it's also a prerogative you know, of, of how programmers or board ops or designers may want their show run or the artists how they want their show run. But I'm usually running it live and making sure that everything's running well and the guys don't play in the dark. Okay, can you explain to us cue stacks or just for somebody who's literally never done anything with lighting? Like, I know I can picture you up there. You have a giant board. You're pressing a bunch of buttons. You're doing different things. But can you explain that a little bit more? Just exactly what those buttons do and how you kind of set it up? Sure. If you take a, just one fader and one button that line up with each other on your on your console, that's what's one handle. On that button or that handle, you can put a bunch of things. Say a song has, let's say, 25 different cues or something. So you put 25 different cues stacked on top of each other. So you have one through 25 stacked on that one fader. So what you can do is you, while you're going through it, either the click track can trigger it or you can trigger it yourself. You just go through it, you tap it, and every single time you tap that button, it goes down the stack. Oh, that's cool. And you can make a you make a mistake. You know, you can always have a back backtrack your stuff when an artist improvs or maybe extends a guitar part or there's more crowd interaction or call to action or whatever. Sometimes you kind of draw things out. That's why I like do running it live, especially with all-time low guys. They like a lot of the call to action stuff. So I, I do like playing along with them as the show is happening. I like to hear them talking. <laughs> well, it's like, and to be like, hey, what are you guys doing tonight? And you're like, light up the crowd. You know, it's like, you can't have that on like a thing. You have to like actually do it because it's like not going to be the same, you know? Yeah, correct. Unless they're very, very, very predictable. If they have the same banter every day. I've had one artist do that in my early in my career. I could lip sync what they were going to say after every song <laughs> in front of house. You worked for us, Jeff, in early in your career. <laughs> this was like 2007. But very good guys though but i was just saying a, a story that i was able to yeah uh, lip sync what he said just because i feel like uh, not everyone's natural up there i don't know how to say things up there i, I would like yeah i think he found like this is what works okay i'm comfortable with this being that situation i would just be stuttering like i am now because i don't know you know what to say to people we're like cool i'd be garth from wayne's world and i'd just be kind of trying to get off stage as quickly as possible i'd be like i shouldn't say these words and i'd be like oh shit that's the word i just said oh <laughs> fuck all right cool uh let's try to save that it's not happening okay everyone hates me all Leave, so. <laughs> just ring, just ring it out. You don't really get to play guitar. I mean, <laughs> we're gonna give you a mic, but yeah. I'm also used to doing crash test live is done live every week too. So it's like I'm not on very often, but when I am, I'm extra like cautious of just like because I don't really like I was saying like I don't know really talk publicly that much. So it's uh talking a little extra slow and just really thinking about it, you know, or not saying much at all. I just like sit there like no one cares what I got to say anyway. I mean, if I have to say something, I'll try to make it good. But you know, they're here to see you know the boys. I agree, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yes. <laughs> all right. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Mic drop. And the people that are able to do that, they deserve all the uh, success that they have from that. Like Blink-182, fucking kidding me. Kings of saying the most wild shit and still having a career. Making songs about it. Yeah. Mark tweeted the other day. He's like, we have a song about having diarrhea. He's like, yes, that is our lyrics. And we are a Grammy-nominated, multi-platinum-selling artist. What are you doing wrong? Or something like, like <laughs> making fun of other people. He is really funny. Actually, the one of the funniest things I've ever seen him do was at an all-time low show. I don't know if you were there, Jeff, because it was a 
a daytime festival. I know sometimes if you're on tour, you might be there, but it was K-Rock Weenie Roast. And Mark came on stage and threw their, at the end of the set, you know, everybody's throwing their guitar picks into the crowd. And Mark came on stage and threw their tuner pedals into the crowd. I don't think I was there for that one, but that would have been something to see. Yeah, the, if it's outdoor festivals, it really, it's hit or miss, unless I'm already on a tour that I just happen to be at. But I'll still go out, I'll light them up in the daytime. I don't care, I'm there. I was going to ask, like, how does that work? You know, like, are you, is there things you can do for lighting in daytime that would be different than in, like in a club or at night? Or? Well, I mean, you're battling the, the biggest bulb in our solar systems. Yeah, it's it's a lot of crowd shots, uh, a lot of yellow, cyan, lavender, no color, nothing too saturated that would get lost in it. I mean, if we get cloud cover, uh, that's an LD's you know, best pal. You're like, give me my headphones, let's go. <laughs> or, I mean, I'll just go out there and try to just at least the timing will be there, you know, strobes and moles, which are the blinders and crowd reactions as long as the timing is there the, i mean it looks like someone's there doing something that makes sense it's like this is happening on purpose yeah instead of it just being like well flash and trash and good luck you know it's <laughs> daytime but i'm like i'm there to work i mean that was my nickname in high school <laughs> <laughs> probably shouldn't say that all right anyway so um loadout <laughs> as yeah it's like when the show is fully done how what does loadout look like for you jeff uh like it, it depends but yeah well, i try to uh save my uh, show right away uh, break down front of house console because that is the lifeblood for me. So I make sure that's all taken care of because sometimes drunk people will just toss drinks for some reason in the air. And <laughs> it's very funny to do that stuff. So you got to make sure your stuff is covered for any mishaps out there. And then I'll just go right to stage and see if I can help, you know, break down something. Or again, like if it's like, Jeff, get out of here, we're good. I'm like, well, okay, I'm not going to argue with you, you know, but, and then that'll be it. So I'll try to help break down. If I'm breaking down, I'm trying to get everything, you know, safely put away and then direct lineup cases to send them out in order so that the loadout is nice and organized from my end of the pack the lighting normally typically goes on the end of a one semi pack because it's the last out and first in. But if it's our own truck, you know, you know, I try to still make sure it's as organized as possible. Get it out safe and sound, organized. and Because like how it would be set back up, like that's kind of like you guys try to set yourself up for success for the next day. Like, so you would do things in a certain order. Depends though, because sometimes the cases don't fit in a certain way and that those motor cases may for some reason have to go at the beginning of a pack, even though you need your motors to come in first. You know, I would feel like you would have to just make it a necessity to put the motors at the end every day regardless but sometimes you don't have that choice because if you have one truck you got to make it fit no matter what sometimes your choices are limited and you just got to make it fit so you want to make sure everything gets sent out in the correct order and that you keep track of your cases obviously you're responsible for all that and you you know your techs are responsible for that but if you're alone obviously you are too but a team effort making sure everything gets back on the trucks you know broken down safely and correctly and exactly like you said setting up for success for the next day making sure we can do it all over again at a timely manner so that our our tour manager and PMs really like us. Another thing I just learned about what a production manager does. I mean, I've been on tour for like 17 years of my life and I'm learning so much this podcast. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> Dude, it's funny. I mean, like it's fine. I mean, like I was like, if we go back to when I started with the Dresden dolls, I had no idea a lot of these jobs existed on tour. And it's like, it's just one of those things where I'm like, Oh, well, of course, you know, like, but like, you don't really think about it until you're like, Oh, you're presented with it. You're like, well, yeah, I would think so. But then you really don't think about certain jobs. I don't know. I was, I had no idea there was so many wheels that could potentially come together to make this Voltron of a show, you know? Well, it's like the people that are interested in music or touring in general, it's like there's so many opportunities where it's like maybe you don't fit in the people that you can see in your direct line of sight when you go to a show. There's so many other opportunities that are out there that might fit your skill set or might fit something that you're interested in or kind of fits your schedule of how you like to sleep or wake up or whatever, you know? That's our goal, Jeff. You pinpointed it. We want to teach everybody about all the things you can do on a tour. All right. We really do. So that, you know, if they want a tour, they know what goes on i don't know all the jobs you don't see well thank you jeff for teaching us about what you do in your day well my pleasure hopefully it was good 
Two more questions. Some would say the most important questions. The first one being, do you wear shower shoes when you're on tour? Absolutely. The first tour, I was wearing plastic shopping bags on my feet on top of a towel because <laughs> I didn't have flip-flops. And that was the only time I didn't have flip-flops my entire touring career. I have always worn flops since that day. You know, Europe is a, the venues were created like sometimes in the 1400s. And I can understand some of the bacteria and <laughs> it's like generations old. Yeah. Uh, it's weird when you're in the shower, your feet still stick like a movie theater. So you kind of <laughs> careful. I would say you're in the uh, 30 percentile of people that actually wear shower shoes. We found a lot of people are really disgusting, including myself. <laughs> And we just don't. I think it's also prerogative and sometimes convenience. I feel like if you're getting right off stage and you're sweaty and you're like, I, 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 I'm just going to get in the shower. I, I don't know. That, that could also just be, a, you know, it's a prerogative thing. I just did it because on my first tour, they scared me into just the horror stories of feet. So I'm just always wearing flip-flops in the shower. So that's it. I wish someone scared me, to be completely honest, because <laughs> I just thought that's how it was. All right, Kevin, let's take it away with that fantastic outro. 